Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. So ruts, there can be good, there can be bad. The problem with the Galatians is they were stuck in a rut. Then Paul showed up and through the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel, he was able to put them into a groove, okay? And that's following the Lord. However, when Paul left, the false teachers came and they were able to shake them out of the groove and stick them back into the rut. And that's something that we battle each and every day, we as believers. Sadly, it's all too common for believers to stray from the truth of the gospel and from deep faith in God. The enemy of your soul will try anything to get you to take your eyes off of Jesus. False teachers can pull you away and the world can entice you to stop thinking about God. Today, Pastor James will challenge you to evaluate your current condition. Are you close and intimate with God, or have you drifted away? The good news is that God longs for you back. Return to prayer and to Scripture, and you'll find God again. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Galatians chapter 4, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. So let's get into this, this uh, beautiful last portion of Galatians chapter 4. I titled this one, I actually put a title to it, that tells you that something's either right or not wrong, or, not, or something's wrong, but uh, I put a title to the sermon. Uh, I, I, titled, I would title this thing, No Turning Back, No Turning Back. Um, that's the issue that Paul is dealing with with the, with the individuals at Galatia, they are beginning to turn back. Turn back, and not like in a good way, not like turning back to the Lord. That's his goal in writing this letter, but they are turning back to the false idols. And there's no turning back. You guys know that song, right? What is it? I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm not very up to speed with it. Um, All I remember is Chuck Smith used to sing it a lot after his messages, and I'll never try to pull that off, by the way. Um, But I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And that has to be, that has to be our, our heart's cry. That has to be our heart's commitment. Not, not only from your heart, but even from your head. I've decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. There is no turning back. That's what Paul is addressing here. So within that, that, that kind of frame, that mindset of no turning back, um, let's talk about ruts. You ever been in a rut? Yes, you have. Yes, of course you have. Um, let, me, let me tell you this, though. Ruts are not bad. They can be. Now, here's where we, where we kind of like sweeten the deal, so to speak, with our vocabulary. If you're in a rut, it's just assumed that that's a bad thing. Now, if you're in a groove, that's a good thing. What's the difference? It's the same thing, right? A rut is you find yourself in a rut. If you've ever been... Um, you know, uh, driven around when there's snow. You can sometimes, ruts are formed on the roadway uh, by other vehicles, and, and you want to kind of like stay within those, okay? Because you get off and you're getting in, and end up, you, you end up turning around going, you know, facing the cars coming at you and all that good stuff, and it's just not fun. I've been there before. Um, 
So, you know, they, they can be beneficial. However, to be in a rut headed down the wrong way is horrible. It's the worst. Back, you know, 100 plus years ago when, when the only method of travel in, in America was through stagecoach, uh, you can imagine the ruts that were formed in the road. Now, it, it was said that if you were traveling and you found yourself in a rut, it could be somewhere 25 miles down the road before you could actually break out of that thing and turn around and head the way you were supposed to be going. Modern equivalency, that could be like being stuck for like 250 miles going the wrong way before you can turn back around. So ruts, there can be good, there can be bad. The problem with the Galatians is they were stuck in a rut, then Paul showed up, and through the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel, he was able to put them into a groove, okay? And that's following the Lord. However, when Paul left, the false teachers came, and they were able to shake them out of the groove and stick them back into the rut. And that's something that we battle each and every day, we as believers. I know for myself, the past two weeks have been chaotic, okay, to say the least. Um, you know, you got the virus thing, and I don't, I don't know, if, I mean, you guys understand this, and especially if you like own your own business and all that stuff, you're, you're having to deal with all these things of like, should you open up? Should you not open up? If you do open up, are you going to make more people sick? Are you not going to make more people sick? If you do open up, how do you open up? How do you safely get people in and out? And how do you make sure people are doing what they're supposed to do and not doing what they're supposed to do? Because guess what? It all falls onto these shoulders. So you can imagine the last two weeks of my life of like, I'm like, oh man, like what, what's the right thing to do and all this stuff? All I know is when that's happening for me, plus on, you know, I've been helping out some people, side jobs type stuff, just because it's hard for me to say no, um, which my wife is helping me with. She's like, she's like, dude, quit saying yes, quit saying yes. Okay, I'm like, all right, all right, yeah, but I don't know. Um, all I know is for the past two weeks, I found myself in a rut in a rut, and I think, um, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I feel as though it's come out in my teachings um, the past two weeks. You may not have noticed or not, but I do, uh, to where I'm walking off the stage, quote unquote, and I'm like kicking myself, and I'm like, Lord, I'm just sorry. I'm so, I'm so distracted, I don't know, I'm studying, um, but all the, it's just distractions, and what I do is I find myself back in a rut. And it's easy to get there, and for you, I apologize if it comes across as that way. I don't mean to be in a rut. Um, the past couple of days have actually been really sweet for me because I feel like the Lord has broken me out of a rut and put me back into a groove, okay? Um, but just so you know, as a pastor, listen, I find myself in a rut at times too, and even when it comes to teaching the Word of God. But I just get so busy, so distracted, so, just so busy and doing so many, and we just went through Revelation uh, 2 and 3 last Thursday and the first letter to the church of Ephesus was like, the Lord's like, look, I see all the good stuff you're doing, but you left me. You left me behind and all your good works. And the Lord had a good, we had a good powwow Thursday night when I'm driving home where the Lord's like, you left me. You're doing good. You're doing a lot of stuff, but where am I at? And I was like, I repent. Lord, I repent. And then the next day, you know what? It's the most, the sweetest day of devotions back with the Lord. Okay? Ruts. Horrible. But if you can get into the groove, that's where you want to be, right? That's where you want to be. Um, that's the, my favorite method of listening to music is broadcast through grooves on a vinyl record. 
It's the sweetest sound. It's the absolute sweetest sound. So Galatians, Paul's letting these guys know. He's like, look, you were in a groove. And somebody's knocked you out of that, and you're sunk back into a rut. Let's look at this. Verse, um, verse 8 is where we'll be. Before you Gentiles knew God, verse 8, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say that God knows you, why do you want to go back again to, be, uh, to become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? Are you trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years? I fear for you. Perhaps all my hard work was for nothing or was done in vain. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. So here's Paul. He's saying, um, essentially, he's, you can boil this section down to where it's like, choose your rut. Choose it. Pick it, right? You're going to end up in one or the other. That's the reality of life. You're going to end up in a rut, okay? In a groove, some way, leading you down some sort of path in form and fashion. You might as well pick which one you want to be in and just stick to that. Paul's showing up. He's like, look, I helped you to get out of that nonsensical way of life. You're worshiping little statues that were deaf and mute and dumb. There's no form or fashion of deity in these things at all. And you're bowing down to these things. And we know from this region, um, a lot of their, the gods that they like to worship, Zeus, okay, Zeus was one, because they were like Barnabas, he's Zeus, okay? Um, they, they, they were heavily steeped within that Greek mythology, and, and Paul's like, what, what has happened? What has happened? It was just yesterday you were doing good. But see, these, these false, these religious individuals, these false teachers came in and they knocked them out of that. And, and, and what's, so, what's so mind-blowing about this is that these false teachers, their intent, and we'll see their intent here in a second in its totality, but they really want them on their side, but they're okay with them like worshiping false idols, which goes against Judaism totally. So why in the world would you, anything to get them away from Jesus, even if it contradicts what you hold fast to? That's how the enemy works. Anything to get their eyes off of Jesus, anything. <clears throat> these false leaders, there is, there is one God. And all these false idols, they're, they're, they're nonsensical is what they would say, but yet these people that you quote unquote care so much about, you're okay with them going back and bowing down to these idols. Why? Because of what you gain from their loss. That's their mentality. But Paul's saying, he's like, you, what do you, you guys know? You come back. You don't want to be slaves again. None of us want to be slaves again. You're in bondage to something. You're a servant to something, to someone. You might as well pick who it's going to be, and it probably should be the greatest master of all, and that's God himself. Because if you're not going to be a servant to him, you will be a servant to someone else. That's the reality. Nobody is free in that sense. Please understand that. I know there's this mindset of like, I'm just a free spirit. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're serving someone. You're serving, and in serving yourself, really you're serving the enemy. That's the ultimate deception. 
You could just, no, you be the, the captain of your own ship, you know, the master of your own destiny. That's garbage. That's garbage. You will serve one, one person or another. It might as well be Jesus, the one who died for you, to set you free. Why not? But that's what Paul's saying. He's like, I don't get it, guys. You were set free. And now you're turning back to those things. And it, essentially, he, he rounds out that section with just saying, like, was it all for nothing? You understand that frustration, right? You, you've, you've experienced this to a certain extent within your own life, where you've, you've poured into something, you've invested into something, and then it just, then you turn around and it, and it feels as though it's like, all for not. Like, oh, did my work not matter? Well, hopefully it does. Hopefully it does. But Paul's like, I spent time with you guys. I, I invested my life with you guys. And you're throwing that all away. For what? Why? So that you can be slaves again. It doesn't make sense. Choose your rut. Choose your rut. Start carving out a new rut within your life. Here's my encouragement for us. We can learn a lot from these guys. A new groove within your life. Daily Bible reading. Start carving it out within your life. Uh, prayer. Praying all the time. Pray without ceasing. Now, what does that mean? Well, that doesn't mean you stop and close your eyes and fold your hands and do this. Because that technically doesn't mean you're praying. I hope you know that. And if you pray like this with your eyes open and your hands wherever you want them, in your pockets, you know that God still hears that prayer, right? Like, I think sometimes we're conditioned in Sunday school to where it's like, if you, they do this because kids are wild. That's, that's why they do this. And they make them close their eyes because it's like me, I'm just a big kid. It's hard for me to focus. So if I'm praying with my eyes open, I have friends who do that and it drives me nuts. I'm like, how are you paying attention? And they're like, because I don't have ADD like you. And they're like, close your eyes. I'm like, okay. I can, I can focus a little bit better that way. So all those Sunday school teachers, you did that for me, okay? I appreciate that. But praying without ceasing is just carrying on a conversation with God at all times. And it's, it's, it's very relational, super informal in one sense, um, absolutely, completely respectful. But we talked about this last week. He's your Abba, your Papa. And... My kids don't have to formally address me in order to talk to me. That's not how I run my house, right? Dad walks in, it's like, uh, Father, I'm requesting your presence. Is that okay? Um, can I come into your presence and we have a conversation? Well, let me think about it. How well have you been? Have you been doing good? Did you do your chores? Did you do your homework? No? Okay, we can't talk, right? Like, that's not how God works, nor is that how my, my kids can come up to me and talk to me anytime, at any time. Um, they have direct access to me as their, as their father. Works the same way in heaven. Because of Jesus, you have direct access to God at all times. Now, I wouldn't encourage you to be disrespectful towards him. Like, hey, yo, what's up, pops? Like, I don't know about that. Um, now, maybe when you're in his presence, he can address some of it. Now, I would, he's still God Almighty. He deserves to be feared. He, I, I mean, because he can... You know, in an instant, he can take you out, and he can have a face-to-face -face with you at any moment and be like, hey, why, you know, a little respect, right? Um, but you have direct, intimate 
contact with him so you can pray at all times. Get into a new groove within your life of just calling out to him at any moment. Fasting. Fasting. Fasting is a great groove to get into. Um, Witnessing. It's a great groove to start carving out within your life and your relationship with the Lord. Develop new habits. Develop new habits. What we've learned is that um, new habits can be learned, but it takes, it takes consistency within the habit in order for them to stick. You've grown up doing certain things one way all the time. That's why if you've never stopped to think about it, you can do some things without even thinking about it. It's because all those channels within your brain have been carved out and it becomes just second nature for you to, to do things without having to think about it. And that's the problem is, uh, I heard one guy say that the problem with humans is we have so many habits because they don't require any thinking. And because we don't spend a lot of time thinking <laughs> about what we're doing, but we carve out these little channels within our minds. And here's the good news. Your mind can be reprogrammed. You can develop new habits, and, and it's a beautiful thing, the way that God has created our, our brains to work, and you can start forming out, forming out new ruts, so to speak, new grooves within your, own, within your own brain, your physical brain, by just committing to something and practicing it daily, daily. And it's not a religious thing, it's, a, it's, a, it's for you to become just like, this is, this is what I do. This is what I do. That's why you, when you're dealing with people who suffer from addiction, the, I've, I've, I've heard stories, I've overlapped with individuals who have, you know, from like, they, they say a prayer, and, and then maybe they receive the Lord Jesus, and like, it, it's almost as if he wipes their, those, those channels like clean in their brains, and it's like gone, the addiction, like gone. But I have overlapped with way more people on the other side of that where it's taken a lot of years in practice and falling down and getting up for new habits to be formed. But they can be formed. That's the good news. They can be formed. You can be free. And that's what Paul's telling these guys. He's like, you don't have to, just because you've grown up this way, it doesn't mean you have to go back to that way. You can be free. And Christ just died. It's for freedom. He'll say this a little bit later. It's for freedom that you have been set free. So it's possible. It's totally possible. And Paul is just begging and pleading with these guys. He's like, don't go back. Don't go back. He, verse 12, I mean, this is where he gets real personal with these guys. He says, brothers, uh, you can say brothers and sisters. Um, I'm going to read from the ESV just for a second. He says, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also be- become as you are. This is where he's talking about, I- I'm, I'm, I'm free from the law. I'm free from the law. He says, you did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, not not just as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. So Paul's saying, he's like, listen, I was going around on this missionary journey. My plan wasn't even to hang out with you guys. But because I got some sort of sickness. Now, if this is where he picked up this, this little eye ailment that he had, nobody can say dogmatically, but there's a good idea that somehow he got, 
and what it, where maybe it was malaria. Something happened to his, and it really kind of distorted his face to where he really wasn't that pleasant to look at. And he had to go to Galatia. He had to spend time there because the Lord was, you know, he, he was knocking on doors to go into all these other areas, and the Holy Spirit was saying, no, 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 no. You're going to go where I want you to go. And he spends time with these guys, and he's sick, and they don't reject him. They welcome him in, and they nurse him somewhat back to health. They didn't reject him because his eyes like gooping out and all this stuff. They welcomed him. They embraced him, and they embraced the message that he had. And he's just recounting to them. He's like, you remember when we first met, and, and there are no accidents in the kingdom of God. There are no accidents in the kingdom of God. This was, the Lord was directing his steps, and he led him into the region of Galatia, and they welcomed him in. Verse 15, what then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your, your own eyes and given them to me. This is how sweet their relationship was. He's like, I know you would have sacrificed for me to the greatest extent. And that's where we have the indication that it's something with his eyes. And at the end of the letter, we'll even see, he's like, see with what big letters I'm writing this letter? That's because he probably couldn't see. And can you even imagine what the scroll looked like? It looked, probably looked like a kindergartner had written this thing with these huge letters, right? But he's saying like, I'm writing this letter with my own hand. That's how intimate this letter is. But he's bringing them back. He's like, look, you, I know you guys, if you could have, you would have given me your own eyes. That's how tight we were. That's how good we were. What's happened? What has become of your blessedness? New Living Translation says this. He says, um, you know, uh, where's the joy and the grateful spirit you felt then? I'm sure uh, you would have taken out your own eyes and given, the, given them to me if it had been possible. He says, have, have I become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Oh, the truth will make enemies out of people. Even if it is proclaimed in love, the truth can make enemies out of people. Family members, we've, you've probably lost contact with family members because of the truth. Now, if the truth isn't given in love, then you're an heir, okay? You, you communicate truth, but you gotta do it in love. And you're not really loving somebody if you're not telling them the truth. That's the other side of that, okay? You can't say that you love somebody and not tell them the truth. Nor can you say that you love somebody and you're constantly telling them the truth absent of love. They have to go, truth and love, they have to go together. But even in the best scenario, even in the best circumstance, truth that is delivered in love, well, Jesus said it himself. He's like, look, I, I came and man, I, because of me, families will be divided. Families will be divided. Let's, and we, and I don't know if it's just like a, a Western mentality, but we have this idea that like, no, 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 that, that's not supposed to happen. We don't want it to happen, but sometimes that's what happens. We think like, no, no, we, we all just harmoniously get together and get along and it's just, it's supposed to all just work out, right? Kind of along the lines with, along the lines with your perfect house and your white picket fence and all that stuff, right? And it's like, well, that's not what the gospel says. Oh, 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 oh.
That's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has more to share from this study in the book of Galatians, so be sure to join him next time. Just because our time with you is over for today, though, it doesn't mean that you have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage you to pick up your own Bible and dive in wherever God leads you. Each page you read will be life-giving and reveal new things about your Creator. If you ever have any questions or would like to request prayer, please connect with us. You can visit breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. We have a form there that you can fill out and submit, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. We love hearing from our listeners. Are you in the Galveston area? If so, come join us to worship and study the Bible. Calvary Galveston meets each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And you can get all the information you need at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the About tab. If you aren't in the area or you're just not able to be with us in person during this season, that's okay. We're streaming live on Facebook. Just search for Calvary Galveston, or you can head to our church webpage to connect. Before we officially close our time with you today, we'd like to invite you to be a part of what we're doing. Would you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry of Bread for the Broken financially? All amounts given are appreciated, and you can donate securely through our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for supporting us, and thanks for tuning in to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, the one love that ain't given.